Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy with impeccable boundaries. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I don't actually know that my boundaries are impeccable, <laughs> but they're way better now than they ever used to be. That's for sure. Um, we're going to talk about boundaries today, personal boundaries. Uh, we came across this weird little paper clip together thing where we record, and we were like, yeah. what the hell? That sounds like a cool yeah. episode. What are personal boundaries? Personal boundaries are the mental, emotional, and physical walls we create to protect ourselves from being used, manipulated, or violated by others. These limits help us clearly distinguish who we are and what we need from other people and their needs. Creating and maintaining personal boundaries is a key way to cultivate physical, emotional, and psychological well-being. So that's the introduction definition for boundaries what what do you think about boundaries what did you know about them before what do you think about them uh i don't know that i ever thought much about them before um for my own personal history like i was always a people pleaser kind of person so i never had really good boundaries and i know that can be incredibly dangerous as we get into recovery because there is a lot of emphasis on helping others and helping the newcomer and helping people that are using and struggling and unfortunately, most of us as addicts, when we're using and some of us, even when we're not, are still very good at manipulating and lying and being very opportunistic or predatory, maybe. And our, how can I get from you what I want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and in this guise of helping others, we can really get ourselves abused. And I know, actually, I remember hearing early on in recovery from a guy that I respected well he said well if you're not getting hurt by you newcomers you're not getting close enough Ooh. you know which sounds like not good personal boundaries <laughs> <laughs> it does i mean you know i do think our society has a problem with this idea of like not feeling anything negative like we we sort of in our society believe we should feel good all the time somehow and that's sort of carries over into this idea, like, I, I wonder if there's people who believe, like, the goal of personal boundaries is to not feel any hurt or pain, because I don't believe that's the case. But I don't know about what he was saying either. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I just think, you know, we do need to protect ourselves, like, physically, emotionally, and in some cases financially from helping people. I think that's where that idea of enabling comes from. I hate that concept that gets i think misused sometimes but there are definitely times where you know just giving someone what they want might not be the best thing to do you know right handing someone who's actively using large amounts of money and then expecting to get that money back if you can't afford to give it away is a bad decision right right you know you talked about this idea of uh people pleasing and of feeling too intertwined or whatever with with others around you and i i feel like what we're starting to think therapy wise is that that comes from the the kind of parenting we got the caregiving we got right when 
our parents make us responsible as children for their emotions, right? I'm mad and you need to behave differently in order for me to not be mad. Like that makes us personal, personally responsible as children for their feelings, which is a job that is way too big for a child to take on, right? They can't even handle their own feelings. You're supposed to be teaching them how to work with that, not take on yours as well. But that does create a, a an adult that seems to want feel responsible for the feelings of those around them, right? Like one of the things I noticed used to happen for me, I'd be out in a group of five people. If one of them was having a bad day for some other totally different reason, but if they weren't enjoying the time out, I couldn't enjoy the group's time out mm. because it's like you, everyone has to be enjoying themselves for me to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that's true for me as well. Another thing, I mean, this gets back into my history, but I know for my upbringing, it was important that I don't get things wrong. So that manifests into being like a perfectionist, yeah. you know what I mean? And and that's part of that's people pleasing. But then there's another thing of like, well, as long as you don't get everything wrong, anything wrong, you're okay. As soon right. as you get one thing wrong, you're fucked. You right, know? right. It's, it's a consequence. <laughs> well, and thinking about parents who, who we might refer to as enablers, right, if we are going to use that word, even though we don't like it, like that's also indicative of a unhealthy attachment, right? Like they're willing to sacrifice probably their values and morals of like drug use isn't good or I'm watching this destroy my child for the sake of how the child feels. Oh, you don't feel well. You're getting sick from withdrawal. I'm just going to have to give you money for drugs. Like you have to feel okay. That's more priority than your health. It's kind of like the parent who gives their kid ice cream at dinner every night or for dinner every night. You know what I mean? It's, it's being unable to choose a child's unhappiness in the moment for the betterment of the child later. And I feel like that's just a continuation of that unhealthy version when you come to enabling. Or, or giving somebody something that maybe isn't good for them ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying, I don't know how this kind of ties in, but it's relevant to something we were talking about recently with, you know, my friend, he's been using, actively using. And uh, the only reason he's not homeless and out of a job is because his dad keeps giving him like side work and stuff that his dad has a bunch of rental properties and he keeps giving him a bunch of side work and stuff to do and is letting him live in one of his rental properties. And if it wasn't for that, his using would cause him to be like homeless and, you know, he would have to sort of face the consequences of what those life choices bring. But now he doesn't and he doesn't have to pay rent and he's got enough money to use. <laughs> mm. And it's like, I don't know if that's like, that doesn't sound healthy. That doesn't seem like the right way to approach that. <laughs> no, it, it it doesn't. Um, going back to where we were in the in the topic, like I think for me, boundaries, probably something that got introduced when I started going to therapy. And that was like nine-ish years into recovery, almost 10. Um, but that was when the idea of like, you know, they talk a lot about boundaries in the therapy world. And, you know, it's, I guess it is a form of protect, protection. But for me, it I don't feel like that when I'm telling it to people. It's more like, hey, you need boundaries because you need to make sure that you're taking care of you first, right? Like, it's fine to care about other people, but you have to be in that mix somewhere. And when people lack the boundaries, it seems like it's more everybody else's needs are more important than mine. Yeah, like it's tied in with low self-esteem and right. low self-worth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the next part of this article is why are personal boundaries so important? Personal boundaries are an essential part of creating and upholding a healthy self-image. 
Ew, I don't like that already. <laughs> I would say they're an essential part of creating and upholding a healthy self-care routine, maybe. Mm. But I don't know about healthy self-image. That sounds ego. <laughs> uh, when a person has strong personal boundaries, it communicates to the world that they exude healthy self-respect and self-worth. Yes, but also if you have too strong personal boundaries, you come off like a dick. Um, hence, creating boundaries makes us feel good about ourselves and preserves our personal integrity. Oh, maybe that's where NA is creating boundaries around what people share to keep their own integrity. Hmm. Um, but without personal boundaries, we run the risk of confusing our needs and wants with others, which leads to codependency. Codependency is a term that describes a toxic one-sided relationship. That's a little summed up too easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is impossible to enjoy a healthy relationship with strong or clear boundaries. Without personal boundaries, there is also the risk of experiencing heightened stress and feelings of hopelessness. Overcommitting to everyone and everything tends to take a serious toll on your mental health, which can eventually lead to burnout. Or worse, a nervous breakdown. Finally, a lack of personal boundaries can result in feelings of being worthless, weak, or not good enough. In other words, our self-esteem is severely impacted and we might struggle with issues such as chronic self-doubt or self-loathing. Not being able to voice our truth and communicate our needs in a clear way can be deeply distressing. What do you think about all that? Huh. Yeah, I mean, I know for myself, I don't feel like I am living my best life when I'm not being authentic to myself. Mm. You know, I for a lot of years, I did, you know, what I thought society told me was the right things to do, you know, bought a house, had a job, raised some kids, 2.5 cars or whatever, you know, like whatever, you know, all those things right. and not really looking clearly at like, okay, so what, what do I want? What is in alignment with my needs and values? And of course that uh, the boundaries part transferred into like my relationship with my wife, my relationship at my job, you know, not really being able to stand up for who and what, I was and just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. No, no, I absolutely agree. I spent a good portion of my life feeling like I was doing, you know, the checkmark list of what people had told me adults do, right? Like, cause I, I never felt like an adult anyway, so I better do all these adulty things. So I look like one, uh, you know, the buying the house, the kids, the career and all those, those good parts. And well, for me, I hate to say this, but for me, Part of that came from the 12 step message that I got when I first got clean. Ooh. Like I came in and people said, hey, your thinking's all fucked up. You don't know what you want or what you need. In fact, you're a mess. Look at what you've done with your life. Just listen to us and do all these things and then you'll be OK. Hmm. And so that's the way I lived a lot of my life. Now, at some point, I guess where I personally struggled was at some point that does take a little bit of a flip-flop like my decision making does get healthier and i can learn some things about myself and how to make healthy choices and what's right and in alignment with my values and then right. i can stand up for myself and do right. but i missed that part for a long time so i just like well i'm just doing what i'm supposed to do because if i make decisions i'm a fucking mess mm -hmm. so i'll just do what everybody else tells me to do yeah so i i just feel like that can really like you describing it that way, I think that's what a lot of us probably do. And yeah. I can see the danger in that. Like I, so I work with somebody right now that is, uh, you know, a younger person in their life and they're done with college, but the things they want to do in life don't 
look like society's idea of productivity and success, right? It's not necessarily about money. They're really into art and they would rather live a life doing art than making a ton of money. And like they run into conflict with their parent mm. around this topic because the parent's like, no, in this world, it's, you know, you give up your hopes and dreams and you go to this 40 <laughs> right. hour a week job and you fucking right. go to something you hate. Right. Basically, <laughs> right. basically, it's so you like get a paycheck. People don't really like their jobs. It's This is just the world. You just do it. And I'm like, I feel like that's the exact same thing you're saying that kind of happened to a lot of us early in recovery. Like we didn't have the ability to trust our thinking to say, you know, now that I'm here and in recovery, this is what I really want to pursue, even though it doesn't look like the world's version of success. And we all just instead kind of bought into capitalism and consumerism and let's keep up with the next guy. And that's yeah. dangerous. And I I can't say that wasn't what I needed at that time because right. a lot of my using, at least I justified it by saying, well, I'm just doing what the fuck I want to do when I want to do it. You know what I mean? Like I felt like at that time I was – living my authentic self right. but i was literally killing myself and destroying <laughs> you know my life and i wasn't happy right. so there was some truth <laughs> to the fact that i didn't really know what i wanted it's just you know that isn't a place that i need to stay stuck maybe if i had learned something about healthy boundaries or or boundaries <laughs> right i could have made some better decisions at that point in my relationships well the cult is definitely not going to tell you to have boundaries <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no um just kidding um so i just thinking through that yeah but I, I guess i wish there was at you know maybe that was what i needed for year one or year two or three but maybe like somewhere around four or five somebody could have came in and been like hey this is when you start switching back to like searching for what you really want what matters to you and maybe maybe that is the goal of like step 11 you know what i mean and 10 really to like kind of get into this idea of what is god's will for me or the universe's purpose for me how do i find a purpose in my life for me not just necessarily doing what i've been doing which is what i think everybody is doing and wants how do i find my own personal way and and how to give back in that way like kind of like that 10 11 12 process maybe that's what that's supposed to be i didn't get that out of it but yeah i didn't either maybe and I should. for me it happened between like 12 and 15 years clean i had that sort of aha moment of like hey maybe i should start looking at like what i want out of life and what i want to be doing instead of just doing what i think the right thing to do is all the time right you know? well and i think the thing that gets tricky with boundaries and maybe part of the strategies that are later in this little you know handout address this but the hardest part for me about boundaries is knowing where the fuck they need to be yeah. Right. Like, what is it that I want and value? Because a lot of times it's conflicting wants and values that I have. Right. I mean, this past weekend, I, I did not want to go to a viewing and a funeral. Like, that's the last fucking thing I really want to spend my time doing. And yet I have a value of showing up for my mom and, and things like that and for family. So like that mattered. And I, But it's like, where do you set that? Right. OK. So for my mom, it seemed easier. Yes, of course, I'm going to go show up for my mom. But then like when I look at friends, it's like, what friend do I show up for and which yeah. one is it like kind of on that cusp of like, yeah, I don't know about that. Right. One, right? Like, so the boundary is more, it's, I feel like it's easier to just get in better in tune with me because the closer I get in tune with me, the more, uh, this is one of the AA promises that I do love. Uh, I'll intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. Yeah. And that's where I feel like it comes from. It's just the more I, the better I know me, I don't need to worry about like, oh, what's my boundary? It's, I just feel that. 
I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and that is part of that 12-step process is figuring out, you know, well, what do I want in my marriage? What do I want in my relationship with my children? You know, what are my values there? You know, are my values, you know, strictly on like discipline and raising really productive children? I mean, that's not a bad thing. Right. But I'm going to parent differently than if I'm going to be like, hey, I just want my kids to like be happy and free and do whatever they want, you know, and, and to find happiness and joy in every moment of their life. Like that's a different parenting style and not that one's right or wrong. But it's important for me to figure out which one of those I want to be or where I fall in that spectrum. And then I can you know, treat them and, and have those relationships that get us there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, I think that boundary thing is always going to be this personal dilemma of like two or more things that we feel like are important to us, you know? <laughs> right. So like in, in, in the times when I was unable to set boundaries, the thing that felt most important was having the acceptance of those around me being liked, right? Having that validation that I, I can be a part of a certain group. And that was the most important thing because it felt like to be excluded from the group was like life threatening. And I get that it probably wasn't, but it felt that way in my life and my body. Right. So going from there, it's like, that was the most important thing. And maybe as I got better with myself, that wasn't as important. Like it didn't feel as dangerous to get excluded anymore because I'm a little better with myself. Mm. I'm a little happier with myself. And so now I can say, no, I'm not going to show up and help you move for the fourth time in three weeks because <laughs> I just, I like me today. And if you exclude me, it's, it's not life threatening. still yeah. sucks. But. Well, and so much of that decision making for me in the, especially in the people pleasing realm was like unconscious. It was just, yeah. Oh, someone called and needs my help. I have to go doesn't matter, if, you know, whatever. There's a championship football game on I want to watch, and they just need a ride to the grocery store. Like, well, they're calling. I guess I got it, you know. Right. And then being resentful and angry about it that I did it and not even, you know, there just wasn't much thought. It was yeah. just doing what you thought you needed to do to get people to like me and approve of me and not understanding boundaries at all. Well, and that comes from the survival brain. I mean, if you've been raised in an environment that makes it feel like other people's feelings are your responsibility, and in your childhood, that was kind of life or death, right? Because if I don't please these people, I'm not saying your parents wouldn't have fed you or kept <laughs> right. you in the house, but like that's the childhood fear. If they don't love me, they will stop providing the needs that I have to stay alive. Right. Um, and so that it once the survival brain kicks on in that moment when you're 25 and somebody's calling for the grocery store, you don't get to access higher level thinking. You don't get to think more about it, like you just said. So there's 18 signs you have poor personal boundaries. And it says, pay attention to these. So you fail to speak up when you're treated badly. Do you do that? Uh, I would say yes, but not as much anymore. Hmm. Like a lot of these have gotten way better within the last just a couple years, I would say, but, but definitely that was a long part of my history. So we just had a, a staff meeting at my work the other day and a coworker of mine got a, a new position that they created or whatever, like office manager. And, and, you know, I thought through it a little bit. It kind of made sense that they would have gotten it instead of me. I don't even know if I really would want it anyway, but there was a feeling in me. It was like, were you even considered for this? Right. That was what the question was like, were you even considered? And after the meeting, I just sat there in the meeting and asked my boss. I was like, hey, 
like I'm just curious. I want to, so I do feel like I'm able to speak up a lot of times for, mm-hmm. and and it's not that necessarily that I thought I was treated badly in there, but I want to make sure that I'm standing up for myself to have fair treatment. Yeah, and you know the conversation went fine, and and it's it's all great. I don't really <laughs> care that the person has the position; it's perfect for where they're at in their life. It was just, I guess, it was a good example to me. I was like, damn, I I don't mind speaking up for myself if I feel like you know I want to know more or make sure I'm not being wronged. Yeah, and, and so I have a funny situation, and this is how the recovery process has changed me as a person, even now. Like, this is last night. So I was gone to my kid's baseball game, and they have this baseball game starts at 7.30. Like, oh, my God, we're going to be out till fucking 10.30 at night at this baseball game. So anyway, so I decide I got to get a coffee. I'm like, I'll get a coffee. It'll keep me awake because I go to bed at 9. So right. staying up that late's hard. So I get a coffee. Well, I order the coffee. I go through the drive-thru to get it. And they do the, oh, uh, can you just pull up there? We'll bring it right out to you. I'm like, oh, like I was a fucking coffee. You know, I got to pull up. So I'm like, I'm nice. I say, okay, fine. And I pull up and I wait. It was, I think, eight or nine minutes that I had pulled up. I had already been through the drive-thru right. line and pulled up and sat. And so in my head begins the contemplation. All right, do we just fucking leave? Like, it's a buck 50. Like, I don't want any confrontation. I don't want to, you know. And then I'm like, that's my fucking dollar 50. It's only a dollar 50, but it's the principle of the thing that they now have my money. And I can either go in there and ask for my money back or my fucking coffee. The fact that I have to walk in there is ridiculous anyway, you know. So then I get out, I walk inside, I go to the counter. Hey, I ordered this stuff at the drive-thru. I've been sitting out there like over five minutes, you know. And, of course, the contemplation walking in is do I throw a fit? Do I start, like, complaining, (laughs) you know, about how fucking terrible service this is and all that other stuff? So what ended up is I walked in, I got my coffee, and I left and didn't cause a big scene. And the lady apologized. But it was like... There's a whole contemplation process that goes on in my head about what the healthy thing to handle that dumb situation is. But I wonder if there's space for that when your body is still always in survival mode, like when you're just coming to recovery. I don't think we even have Oh, no, no. Early in recovery, I probably would have just left, you know, and then been like, oh, they got me for it. You know, and then I'd feel like shit because they got me for a dollar fifty. I'd have never, ever, ever went back to that establishment. (laughs) We never have coffee from there again. That has been my decision as well. <laughs> really? So, yeah. It got me for a dollar fifty. I'm never ever. Oh going no, again. I got my coffee. All I'm right. just like I, the service was so shitty. I'm gonna probably not go back. I, I won't go back for a while. Eventually, I might go back. Right. <laughs> so more of these signs. You give away too much of your time. Is that you? Um, not as much today, but yeah, definitely in the past. You agree with a person when you actually feel like disagreeing. That I will do, mostly because I don't, most of the time, I don't feel like disagreeing with people is worth the energy that it takes. Ah, See, I like, I feel like I have this like passive disagreement Hmm. where like people will tell me some shit and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I agree with that, but let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, see, I don't do that. I'm just like, "Eh." I mean, and I think of that like with coworkers and stuff that have opinions that are very different from mine. Most of the time I don't. I just like, oh, okay. And then I end that conversation and go away. <laughs> gotcha. You say yes to a person when you want to say no. I mean, I'm sure this happens yeah. at some point, but not, not anywhere near as often. Yeah, not near as often. You feel guilty for dedicating time to yourself. I still have some of that. Yeah, I still have that too. I don't do that very well. 
it's a lot easier for me to take three or four hours on a weekend now and say, I'm just going to go hang out with a buddy or whatever, if that's what I want to do. I, could, I feel like it's easier to do that. Not that I do it a lot, but like it's harder, it seems like, to be like, you know what? I want to go on a weekend trip. I'm, you know, me and a few guys are going to whatever, a convention or something a couple states away. Yeah. Like that feels tougher to do at this point. Yeah. Like for me to consciously do it for myself is still something I struggle with a lot. Yeah. If you were to ask me to do something, I would probably say, yeah, that sounds fun and do it. <laughs> but to take the initiative to do it for right. myself is not there. No, absolutely. I said like two months ago, I want to hike more and, and get more massages just because I want to take care of myself better. And I have done neither. have <laughs> <laughs> made zero effort. You feel taken for granted by others. Yes. Do you? Oh, yeah. A, a little bit. I don't, it's not necessarily that I feel taken for granted. I feel like they don't recognize all that I do. It, well, you that too. Now, what I do with that today, though, is I remind myself that that's not really necessarily the truth, <laughs> you know, but I still feel that a lot. Right. Taken, taken for granted. I think a lot of us feel like we are the glue holding whatever together. <laughs> right. And I'm right. just, yeah. It, I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm not saying there's also not some other truths to other people holding things together with you. <laughs> right. um, you permit people to touch you when you feel uncomfortable or want them to stop. No. Yeah. I never really had that. I, I think that's more of a female problem. Yeah. I really do. I wish uh, people would touch me more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to record when I touch Billy after this <laughs> episode. Uh, you have toxic relationships. I hate that wording, even though it's so accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it says, for example, you're always giving and the other is always taking. Uh, you make too many grand sacrifices for others at your own expense. Watch my mom do that, son. I'm not a grand sacrifice kind of guy. No, I don't think I am either. You are passive aggressive and might have manipulative tendencies as a way of trying to regain your lost power. I probably do that. I probably do some of that. Uh, the word manipulative is a skewed word in my mind because we are all actively manipulating our world and environment to be right. what we want it to be. So it's like, it's not necessarily manipulating. Isn't a bad thing in and of right. itself. That's how we interact with the yeah, world. It's like, if I'm going to ask you a question and I want the answer to be yes, I'm going to try to frame the question in a way that yeah. makes yes sound appealing. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad tactic. Right. Like that's, we manipulate things. Right. I mean, if you take sand on a beach and make a sandcastle, you manipulated the sand on the beach. Like, but right. we, you know, we look at manipulative as bad, so it's a little tricky. Uh, you constantly feel like a victim. Yeah, we definitely had victim mentalities coming into 12-step groups. You feel like you have to earn respect by being nice. I don't think that so much. I think I have to be nice to others because they have to like me. You overshare details about your life with others. I do that, but I think that's a 12-step thing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I don't feel like it's oversharing. I just feel like I'm vulnerable. Yeah. and the, But I feel like I try to do it in the right place, mm. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you feel guilty when others aren't happy as if you're responsible. We talked about that yes. one. I've got that. Yeah. You are what other people want need you to be and not who you need you to be. Ooh, I've yes. had a lot of that one. Yeah, I got yeah. I don't know that I, I got as much now, but I've struggled with a lot of it for sure. You're out of touch with your needs. I think that is goddamn near all of us. Yeah, I definitely am. You attract people who try to control or dominate you. Maybe a little. Hey, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. You have chronic fear about what others think of you. 
Yes, that I do. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I don't anymore. I don't really have a lot of that. So what? It, I don't know. That's a pretty exhaustive list, man. Yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Boundaries are broken. <laughs> well, and and you know, I will say, and I think we're realizing this. Like, there's definitely levels. There's a spectrum to all this, yeah. right? There's the the level we were at when we got here, and then there's where we're at today, which is a whole different world. Even though we're still suffering with some of those same struggles. You know, that spiral staircase idea, like we're a little further removed, got yep. a little better, clearer picture of the the situation. Well, and, it's, and some of it, you know, there's that juggling act, almost like you talked about earlier with the situation with the funeral and your mom. There is that, you know, or I'd say balancing act of like figuring out like, OK, I want to be a person that is like there for my family, that's supportive and loving and, and helpful and you know, part of the team that's building them up. But that does come at some sacrifice to some of my personal wants and needs at times. And finding the healthy balance of that is what's important. It's not like if I do all serve them all the time or serve myself all the time, neither of those is ideal. Right. So, you know, when you mentioned that two other, three other people, but only two that I really knew, two other people came up to the viewing for my mom. And this is like, at least an hour away from where my mom lives that this took place. So it was, it was a hike. It was not some small <laughs> gesture to come out there. And like, I was looking at the situation from my lens and I'm like, well, I'm the son and this is my family. Like we're supposed to be here. We have to be right. It's kind of a requirement. Yeah. Um, but like this, this one guy that came as a family member of ours who I think is my mom's cousin, but he's like a lot younger than her. It's weird. Um, but I thought that was a really nice gesture of him to come. Okay. So that's really cool. But he had also like been traveling for work that day and had done a lot of driving. And I'm like, did he do this because it means a lot to him to be here or because he sacrificed like his own well-being of sleep and taking care of himself mm. because he felt like he had to? I don't know that answer. Like, I don't even know if he knows that answer. But he came and it was nice. But then a lady came the next day from my mom's work. And she drove an hour out and an hour back. And she didn't stay for the funeral. She just wanted to show up and make an appearance and be there for my mother. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. Like, it, it brought tears to my eyes that this lady drove out there for my mom, right? But I'm like... I wouldn't have fucking done it. <laughs> There's no fucking way. When you said that, that's exactly what I remember of my mom's funeral. I remember being there and people showing up and, and not in a bad way, but me being like, like, why the fuck are you here? Like, yeah. not that I minded it. I mean, it was very nice, but I thought the same thing. I'm like, I don't know that I would have come if Definitely. their relationship was weird. And yeah, I don't know if that's, is that healthy? And it it reminded me of something with my dad. So my dad was telling us, and I almost was like, that's uncomfortable and creepy. But <laughs> he had a friend that he went to high school with. Now, my dad's fucking 70. This was a guy that he went to high school with that got cancer. And he started going to visit him in the hospital once a week. Now, this isn't a guy that was like some fucking family friend that we kept in touch with. I never met the guy in the all the whole time of my dad's life. He's never been to any celebration of my parents or my dad, not a birthday, not an anniversary. So it's not like someone that they were close friends with. And he's gone to visit him in the fucking hospital once a week after 50 years of not seeing the guy. Wow. I'm like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> like, and I, maybe that's healthy for him or maybe that's his values, yeah. but I, it just seemed very odd. 
Uh, I could picture there's some situations where maybe he's a little lonelier, older in life, nostalgic. Hmm. And that it just makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, and it just if he feels was there, good for he would him. want someone to treat him that way. Yeah. yeah. I, could, I could picture there being some healthy ways, but it, it does sound weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, the point being, like, I think these things are, are things that we need to figure out for ourselves. Like, is right. this is this in alignment with the person that I want to be? Mm-hmm. Or am I just doing it out of some sort of weird guilt or obligation? obligation, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a a hard one to figure out, which is, again, why I say getting more and more in tune with who we are. Right. Um, One of the processes I try to use with people in therapy for this activity is actually to start start with something, you know, right. Sit still, kind of like a meditation and picture two foods on a table, one that you absolutely love the taste of and one you can't stand and start to try to tune into your bodily response when you picture getting ready to eat those things, right? Because you can start to get... Some things we do have that strong pull towards or or push back against, right? And I think food's one of them for a lot of us. We've kind of established that. So it's a good starting point to get what does the feeling of I want this feel like? What is the feeling like this doesn't feel good for me feel like? Hmm, And then working on that in other areas. Um, And another practice is just trying everything out as if you've never experienced it. So like eat an ice cream with a fork, right? Just try it a fuck out. See what you think, right? Did all of it melt and fall through? Well, maybe you want to use a spoon next time. But once we start reevaluating things we took for granted that we already knew, we start to be more curious about more and more experiences. Yeah. And I've recently heard, it's a little different, but similar, I guess, in that uh, start to try to live by intention, like before you make decisions on things, like mm. look at what your intention is right? and then see if those decisions are in alignment with your intention. That's a good one, too, if you can think through to the intention. Yeah. It's like, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's probably a lot harder to do on minor things, but on like bigger decisions, right. it, it might be a little sort of more intuitive to go, all right, well, what am I trying to get done here? What is my intention here? And is this going to get me there? Yeah. And one of the things you remind me of is, is for me, uh, it's erring on the side of being compassionate, Hmm. right? So like my mother came home from work a week ago and and found her boyfriend passed away in the house. And like, we went down immediately because that would seem like the right thing to do. But like they, so she found him at three in the afternoon and they didn't actually come retrieve the body till four something in the morning. Mm. Um, so Gosh. we were all just kind of sitting in the house while the body's upstairs. Yeah. But like somewhere around 11, I think I had mentioned like, hey, we're going to get out of here. We're just going to leave. And my wife kind of said to me, you know, when my grandmother passed, the thing that made me most distraught was when they took the body out. Maybe we should stay. And it was really easy for me in that place to be like, you know what? I don't know what's right. I'm going to err on the side of we'll just fucking stay. (laughs) Right. Right? So it's kind of like I know I want to lean towards compassion and and being available for people. And so it was easy to lean that way, even though I thought I wanted to go a different way. Right. I wanted to go home. I want to go to fucking bed. (laughs) Right. But it, it wasn't a hard thing. So I guess sometimes it's just more like I don't mind erring on the side of being a good person. Right. That's kind of where I want to go. Hmm. Makes it a little easier, I guess. So I don't have to know the right or wrong. I can just be like, well, fuck it. If I don't know, I'll air this direction. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, sounds helpful. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, Members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, 
harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring, please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why do we suffer from poor personal boundaries? Before you blame yourself for having poor personal boundaries, stop for a moment. I want you to understand that it wasn't your fault, but it is your responsibility to now develop strong boundaries. So take a moment to feel some compassion for yourself. As children, we had no control what our parents, teachers, and the adults around us taught us. Most people who possess absent or weak personal boundaries were set a bad example when young. Observing codependent dynamics within our families contributed a lot to this issue, as well as being taught that love equals what we did, not who we were. As a child, the first role models you had of acceptable behavior were your parents and family members. So pause to reflect here. What messages did your mother, father, siblings, or other adults send to you growing up? Were you only given love when you pretended to be who your parents wanted you to be? Were you only rewarded when you went out of the way to sacrifice your needs and desires in favor of someone else's? Were you punished for saying no or speaking up? Did you feel obliged to emotionally take care of an adult, perhaps a parent? These were all signs that you were taught that lacking personal boundaries equaled a good thing. Reading through some of them, and, and I know we kind of already addressed this earlier about feeling responsible for your parents' feelings, but reading through some of these, like, I can picture for sure a lot of times in my kid's life where they were acting age-appropriate as kids, thinking of themselves, and I would shame them with, like, why can't you think of the bigger picture and all that we're going through, right? Yeah. Why can't you at 11 figure out <laughs> right. all this shit that this a parent goes through? <laughs> right, right. I'm over here like, I go to work all right. day and I got to deal with this when I come home and your life is easy. And so like, it's really easy for us to fall into these patterns, right? And this isn't about shaming parents for being bad parents or anything. Look, we're doing the best we can. We're trying to figure this out and get better as all of us, as generational families, everybody. But yeah, it's really easy to fall into that pattern of like, do what I want you to do and you'll be loved and, and good. Yeah. And it's definitely even, I mean, even reading through that, I'm like, oh, I think I probably still do a couple of those things like now. Like, I, is the only time I give my kids praise when they do what I want them to do? You know, is that a pattern? That, because right. it's normal. I yeah. mean, that's a normal thing. But it's like, how often do you go home and tell your kids, you know, you love them and you care just because, you know, right. am I doing those things? Well, and that's what I'm noticing the more 
uh, therapy for people with children that I've had to give and learn more about. And the more I've done in my own life, just listening to self-help books and everything, like, uh, it's really important to me to give this my kids the idea that I love them just because. Yeah. You fucking breathe. Your heart beats. Cool. I love you. That's great. Be whoever the fuck you are. And it's, it's a hard idea to give. One of the main things that comes to my mind every time I think of it is when they walk in the room, I want my face to light up and be so fucking like, oh, my God, little so-and-so. Well, <laughs> right. Come over here. Tell us about your day or, or whatever, yeah. right? Like just that idea of like just your presence is enough to you know make this room excited. I feel like that is a great way that mm. I'm working on trying to give that to them. Just I'm excited to see yeah, you. Yeah, or Fuck just it. saying, hey, how you doing? You mm -hmm. know, how's your day going? Things okay? You know? Yeah. That kind of stuff. One of the things uh, we did, and so my daughters both had plans um, the day after school that, that, you know, my mother's boyfriend passed away. And so when I went home straight from work, I grabbed the younger three kids and we, you know, just headed down and my wife went straight from work to my mom. So my my oldest two weren't there. And there was a piece of me that was like, this is bullshit. You're supposed to be here, right? Grandma's in pain. You're supposed to be here for her. But I kind of like, I, I, it was like a piece of my own self that had that thought. And I tried to comfort it. And I tried to just let my girls decide, like, do what you're going to do, right? We're going down again Sunday to be with grandma, to spend time with her. We're going to have the viewing and the funeral. But I didn't put any, I never said, like, you have to be at any of these things. And I really was trying to steer away from that and let them just be them. And they showed up for everything in an awesome way. And I, like, I told them how much it meant to me that they they did that and how much I thought they were amazing for making that choice. And I don't know. It felt really good to like, kind of let them sort of like have the rope, I guess you say yeah. the rope to hang yourself, but that's yeah. not what I was looking for. But it was just like, Hey, this is your life. Like you got to figure out what matters to you. And, yeah. uh, and we've been so lucky with our kids. It's the same. Like we just went up to Massachusetts to visit their sister. And there's been times they haven't gone, but they always have the choice, you know, they're, 20 and 17 and they drive themselves and they're really responsible so we don't force them to go and they're like no we want to go you know we want to go and they'll come up and spend out four or five days with us just us as a family you know playing board games and putting together puzzles and hanging out watching movies you know just to spend time together as a family the other thing i thought and and it was important and i didn't necessarily know why but i think it it does some of those things is just showing up for their events and things that they were a part of. You know, right. I always showed up for everything. That was me. I was like, yeah, you just, you're supposed to show up for your kids. And I think somewhere in me, that's because I didn't feel like my parents did for me. I mm. didn't feel like they were all that interested in the stuff that I was doing. And so for my kids, I've always tried to really encourage them to do things they were interested in and then show up for those things too, right. you know, take them to their practices, show up for their games, show up for their recitals, show up for their, you know, whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> even stuff that I had way better things I'd like to be doing with my time. Right. You know, I still take time to show up for that stuff because I think it lets them know like, Hey, what you want to do matters. You know, who you are matters. You said something that I want to just address a little piece of, and I don't, this doesn't necessarily reflect what I think for your life because in your process of doing that, you were in like a self-reflective 12-step program <laughs> looking at you and adjusting things and, and being a different parent. But I think uh, my experience from early on 
in parenting was that I noticed that I tended to flip on some of the things my parents did too. I was like, oh, they did this and it felt shitty. I'm going to do the opposite to fix that one. <laughs> but there wasn't much thought beyond like if like for me it was just if i do this other practice i'll make better kids mm. and it wasn't like i think what happens to a lot of parents is they they do that they have that natural adjustment but it almost comes from the same unhealthy place yeah you know what i mean so like it still looking. gives the same wrong message it's just in a different angle and i guess you know that's where like self-reflection really helps with that like why am yeah. i doing this what's the intention like you mentioned for doing this right is it just to do the opposite of my parents because that's <laughs> probably not going to fix everything right um so then this goes through five myths about personal boundaries if you struggle with setting clear boundaries you might carry a number of mistaken beliefs that you were conditioned to believe here's some myths that we want you to be aware of one having personal boundaries is selfish this is an unhealthy perception. Having personal boundaries is a form of self-respect and is part of possessing good self-esteem. All mentally and emotionally healthy people possess boundaries. Myth number two, having personal boundaries will cause my relationships to suffer. If you are in a codependent relationship, creating boundaries will most certainly create uncomfortable waves of change. If your partner is codependently entangled with you, he or she will be shocked and will certainly resist your efforts to be happy and healthy. The same thing goes for codependent friendships. If this is the case, I encourage you to consider whether being in a toxic relationship or friendship is worth it. Any healthy and supportive relationship will actually thrive and encourage the establishment of personal boundaries. Uh, I feel like for this, I've been working on, and I heard this somewhere, I don't even remember where at this point, it might have been Brene Brown, but this idea of like, thank you for taking care of yourself. So like, even when people deliver information that's not pleasing to me, they have to cancel on an event we decided to go to together or they have to deliver bad news about not being able to show up somewhere. It's like, hey, thank you for taking care of yourself, right? And I can't say that every time I say it in my head or out loud, I necessarily believe it. Like sometimes <laughs> there's definitely frustration about the situation, but I'm hoping it conditions me to remember that like that's the most important thing always is for people to do what's good for them. So is that something you say to yourself if you have to cancel or you say that to the other person if they have to cancel on you? So yeah. it's one of used for other people canceling on me and I say it. I definitely always say it to myself just to remind myself there are times I use it out loud because I feel like it can be comforting for other people to know that that's my standpoint too. But no, I don't say it as much for myself. I feel like I'm generally accept when I feel like I know what I got to do for me. And if that's to miss yeah. something, that's to miss something. And hey, I'm sorry. And I hope you understand. But if you don't, then I guess it's probably good that we don't talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... and... The only thing I didn't like about that a little bit is if you've been in a relationship for 10 or 15 years and you've been a certain way and been a certain role and then all of a sudden you start making all these changes, that's probably going to be a little uncomfortable even for okay. your partner and not necessarily because they say your relationship will suffer. Well, it may suffer in the intermediate, you know, in the in the interim why they're going through this change or why you're going through this change. Like it might be a little rocky when you start setting some of these boundaries. Now it doesn't necessarily mean the person's going to leave you, right. but it's definitely going to be like, "Whoa, what do you mean you're not fucking making my lunch every morning? Like you've made my lunch every morning for 10 years now. The fuck what, you know, right. are you having an affair? Like what the fuck?" Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so if you start setting these boundaries, 
in the middle of a relationship that's long established, it could be a little different. <laughs> no, and, and it absolutely will. I think they were talking more about like the, the codependently mm. uh, bonded relationships for that. But no, you're absolutely right. And I tell people this all the time who are struggling with people in their household and friction in those relationships. It's like, it won't happen immediately because as soon as you start to set some boundaries about your personal well-being, there will be pushback. That's yeah. what's going to happen, right? But through you putting something different into the family system, it's just like having an assembly line and all of a sudden you start putting a new part or a new you know, oil in. It's going to create a different outcome at the end of the whole product too. So as you change, it'll take a while. But the people in your house will adjust to that or they can't. Right. right. The the can adjusts will leave, obviously. But most people will find a new way of interacting with you and it will change the whole dynamic of the system, not just you. Yeah. Or with our kids. I mean, I know if as they've gotten older, the boundaries change. You right. know what I mean? Because the responsibilities of me as a parent change. What I have to do for my six, seven and eight year old is very different than what I have to do for my thirteen, fourteen year old. Right. You know, I dude, you can clean your own fucking bedroom. You can <laughs> do your own laundry like i don't have to be doing all that stuff for you now you know right, <laughs> like, right. and making dinner you know things yeah. like that and then they get to adults hey you can go to the store and buy your own things you know like mm-hmm. and that can create some friction but it's hopefully healthy friction and it's in a way that we talk about those things yeah you know? and with our kids it was always weird like and i would try to explain this to them like the boundaries at their different ages were like they were all different mm-hmm. ages. So the expectations that I had on my older kids would be different than the expectations on my younger kids. Yeah. And being like, yeah, that's because he's 10, you right. know, and you're 17. Like you can do a yeah. lot more. <laughs> Get that all the time in my house. And there, there's some varied ages. There's a couple right. of like five year gaps. And yeah. Why doesn't, why can he just do whatever you want and not clean up? Well, because you're fucking 13. That's yeah. why. And and then the, the younger one, why do I got to sit in the middle seat on the back row of the minivan? Well, because you're the smallest and that seat's designed <laughs> right. for the smallest. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, bro. I'm sorry, but. Get bigger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is your role in the house, unfortunately. Um, Myth three, having personal boundaries will cause people to dislike me. This is only partly true. The reality is that, yes, setting clear boundaries might step on a few people's toes, but creating boundaries will also cause more people to respect, hear, and like you. There is nothing more admirable than a person who refuses to take bullshit from others. Not only that, but when you set boundaries, you will actually attract more people who are willing to respect you and be authentic friends and lovers. This is a tricky one because I I don't know. There was one line. There's nothing more admirable than a person who refuses to take bullshit from others. I feel like I run into this person that refuses to take bullshit from others frequently, and I wouldn't call them healthily boundary. I'd call them an asshole. Usually wearing a MAGA hat. Uh, I mean, maybe. I'm thinking of a... No. I mean, personally, I'm kind of thinking of a particular female right now who I'm like, she's an asshole. Like... (laughs) I wouldn't call that strong personal healthy boundaries. Right. I would call that just being an asshole and doing what you want to do. Oh, maybe that's where the healthy comes in. Maybe yeah. they're unhealthy. That's <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, myth four, having personal boundaries will make me miserable. This is a common concern, but my response is simple. Creating personal boundaries might feel uncomfortable at first, but pretty soon it'll make you feel empowered and in control of your life again. So the opposite here is true. Having personal boundaries will actually make you much happier. Myth five, having personal boundaries sounds rigid. Personal boundaries are not black and white or set in stone. They are flexible according to your needs in the moment. So what are the benefits of creating strong personal boundaries? 
here's what you can expect. You'll be able to say no. Is that really a benefit in itself? I mean, it, it is, but like, yeah, what about right. the feeling of <laughs> not having to do the shit you didn't feel like doing? <laughs> right. uh, you'll feel empowered again. You'll feel more in control of your life. You'll attract healthy and supportive partners and friends. You'll have more mental, emotional, and physical energy. You'll be able to speak up and be heard. You'll feel more appreciated and valued. You'll be more in touch with your needs. I See, I, sometimes this pisses me off because they're talking about benefits of strong personal boundaries. And I'm picturing some of the people who need boundaries. And if you told them, oh, you, you want boundaries, you'll be more in touch with your needs. They'll be like, why the fuck do I need to be in touch with my needs? Like, that just doesn't sound yeah, like right. compelling. To, to the average person out there, they're like, I need money. Fuck, that's what you mean? Yeah, right. I don't know. You'll spend more time on yourself without the guilt. You'll experience more emotional balance and happiness. You'll experience increased self-esteem and self-worth. You'll feel more courage and freedom to be yourself. And these won't happen overnight, but with practice and persistence. I don't know. None of those sound extremely compelling. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, some of them did for me because... I like say for a lot of that part of my recovery, it was like going through the motions of doing what I was supposed to do and living a life that was okay, but it was just okay. Like I didn't feel like I was, I hate to use catchy words that they use now, but I didn't feel like I was like thriving. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like I was like vigorously enjoying my life. It was right. like, no, I'm existing, doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? I'm punching the dots and checking the boxes. There's no chaos. It's good, you know, and that was good. Right. But it wasn't great. Like, it's not like I was in touch with who I was as a person and actively making decisions to to get more in tune with the things that I wanted to do. It was just right. going through the motions of living. And I think once I was able to set some boundaries and figure out, you know, I almost felt like it was the other way around. I almost felt like I needed to know, you know, what my needs were before i could set boundaries <laughs> like, right right you know like i don't now that i am getting more in touch with my needs i know what my boundaries need to be like do you have an amount of time each week or day that is yours that is a new concept that i've been looking at recently so currently i would say no probably mm. not i teeter back and forth between saying that some of the stuff that I do working around my house is time for me because I do kind of like it. Mm -hmm. But that's a hard one because I do find myself like this weekend, like I didn't really feel up to doing much yesterday. And then I just forced myself to do shit mm -hmm. around the house. So it didn't feel like that yesterday for sure. Right. But other times it's like, oh, I have fun doing this. I enjoy doing this. And it feels like I'm making time for me. Probably right now watching football is one. I do like to watch football, but yeah. I'm going to miss some of that today because I agreed to go to some fucking thing I don't want to do. <laughs> I know. I made my therapy appointment today. I'm mad too. But it's a balance. Like I, I told Jen, I'm like, well, can we be home by like two? Like then I might only miss like the first half. I at least get to watch the second half. And then the rest of the afternoon, I'll probably just watch football. Right. But Yeah, I don't feel like I have any actual like specific structured like oh this is my hours on this day of the week but i i do know that i can pretty much solidly count on barring crazy situations like recently um in my life like i could pretty much count on getting a certain amount of time to myself to choose to do whatever i want right mm, yeah i don't have and i say that but then i say like i, I don't know if 
And this is why I need to personally do a little more research into that because I've that concept has come across my radar recently that, hey, you need to be taking time for like your personal self. For your, and I'm like, well, I go to the gym. I meditate. You know, those are things I do for myself. But it's like I don't know if that qualifies into that because I'm, I'm thinking more of like leisure time and relaxation and, and that time for myself and that's what i really lack well i think they they qualify in the sense of overall general time but once you start breaking down this time for yourself into different categories they do kind of miss the mark on like that leisure what would i just choose to do like there are things that you do and you choose to do for your health and your well-being and they're great i think they fit in the the big category of taking time for yourself but i do think they're kind of absent from the list in that category of like what do I just really fucking want? Do I want three hours to walk through nature each week? Do I want three hours to fish? Do I want three hours to fucking stare at the TV? Like, whatever it is, we should be allowed to have some time to just pick anything. Right. And and I feel like that's the category most of us miss, right? We'll, like, get in on the self-care portion of it, but there's that other subcategory of, like, you know just you're allowed to just things, fucking right? do nothing, right? <laughs> right? And I'm like, I don't think we are. Or just doing enjoyment, you know? Right, right. Uh, so how do you create personal boundaries that people don't ignore? Creating boundaries is less about other people and more about you and the beliefs and mindsets you have. Following practices and pieces of advice will help you target both your core beliefs and habitual behaviors. Number one, understand you have the right to have boundaries. Lurking underneath the surface of people-pleasing behavior is the belief that we have no right to set boundaries. It's time to challenge this ingrained assumption. Why are others allowed to have boundaries and not you? Why must you feel like a lesser human being and elevate others above yourself? It is a fundamental right of all human beings to have personal boundaries. Consider it your birthright to establish boundaries that define and protect you. Not only is it your right to create boundaries, but it is also your responsibility. I guess that would be the first part of creating them, knowing you can. <laughs> yeah, and I guess for myself, it's not that I didn't think I should have them. It I looked at it more as like almost like a weakness, like, oh, I don't need anybody for anything. I can, you know, I'm fine and I'll just serve other people and that makes me happy. And as long as other people <laughs> like me, I'm good. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and it wasn't that I didn't have needs or think that I should have needs. It was just like, well, mine aren't that important. You know, it's trying to think back to like uh and, and it's hard sometimes man we make changes in our lives that that changes pretty drastically yeah. it's hard to think back to who we used to be but well and the change is so gradual like it's right. not like it happened in like a day or a month it's like right. years of slow progression <laughs> you know yeah with, with some you know hurried little spots where yeah, you, right. make where you really dug in yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> um but just p picturing back to like this construction worker type male who I think is our average typical male in the U.S., right? The, I don't think I felt like we were allowed to have boundaries because we were supposed to be so tough and thick-skinned and impenetrable that nothing hurt us to need a boundary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, in order for me to think I need a boundary, it's because a behavior might uh, injure me or hurt me or harm me in some way. And if I'm a tough, rugged guy in America, well, fuck, I don't need boundaries. Nothing harms me. Well, and just even the whole idea, myself. 
Like, I just think of the whole concept of any of that language on a construction site. Like, I work in HVAC, and I can't imagine being on a job site and one of the coworkers looking at another coworker and saying something like, hey, you know, you said that, and that really crossed a personal boundary with me. Like, yeah, that's not language no. that happens at the job. It's no, more like, be like, take your panties off. Hey, give me fucking 10 <laughs> bucks. I need some lunch. And then the other guy goes, fuck you. You know, like, right, it's, right. They're going to say, take your panties off. Do you need a tampon? Like, <laughs> right. that's what you're going to get. And just recognizing like, no, we have these, these, and it's funny because Jen will say things. We do a a monthly, you know, work meeting where we get all the service department guys together and she'll say funny things to me because she's not in our environment. She's in a, probably a healthy mental health environment. And she'll say, well, why don't you, you know, when you guys have your monthly meeting, like, why don't you go around the circle and ask each guy if there's like a need or improvement he sees on the job site that would make things better? And I'm like, I don't think that would go over well. <laughs> That's hilarious. If I tried that, they'd look at me like I was fucking crazy. And they would be like, uh, no, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> right. Right. And then they bitch about it as soon as they left. <laughs> like, and I think that's one of the hard parts in the, the patriarchal society we have, right? So men don't feel like they're allowed to have boundaries because it's it's too feminine, I guess, or too soft or too weak for, for what men are supposed to be. But then women are taught from an early age that their whole being is basically to cater to men. Mm. That's the whole point of their existence. So yeah. how are they going to feel like they can set fucking boundaries for their own personal well-being? It's like... God, we both both halves get screwed in this patriarchy. Yeah, deal. or for for a lot of men, you know, standing up for a boundary is like a confrontation and a fight. Right. And for like me, I was always, you know, I've always been a kind of skinny, smaller kind of guy. I wasn't ever any big muscular guy. So confrontation and fighting was not my, you know. I was fast, you know, and smart. I could, like, outsmart things. I wasn't the fighter. <laughs> I got muscles to hopefully avoid the fight, personally. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm hoping this, like, makes people think yeah. twice about having to but do that. But that's the idea of standing up for boundaries was usually a confrontation. Yeah. It wasn't absolutely. like a conversation where you go, hey, you know, this is a boundary and you're crossing this boundary. Like, that isn't yeah, the way we gonna converse on it. that. Right. Uh, number two, understand your thoughts, feelings, and needs are equally important to others. No one's thoughts, feelings, or needs are above anyone else's. Social status is an illusion created by the human mind. In other words, the Queen of England's needs... Ooh, this is outdated already. The Queen of England's needs are equal to a homeless person's needs. I guess the king. The only division created between us and others exists in the mind. Therefore, you are not less important, valuable, or worthy than others. Your needs are equally important to those in your life. Learn to see yourself as an equal to others. Affirm your worth each and every day with a mantra such as... I am worthy and my needs are important. Learn to distrust and disagree with those who try to make you think or feel otherwise. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of mantras, if nothing else, just because we have so many negative thoughts each day about ourselves. Why not put throw some positive yeah. ones in there? Yeah, me too. I mean, I, and I was going to say, I, I actually still actively do something similar to that. You know, I love myself and and that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know that I could admit that out loud at my job. <laughs> that, that's a thing that I do. You know? <laughs> huh. Do you guys tell yourselves each day that you love yourself and that your needs are important? Like, it's just not. Yeah. It's not the culture of that environment. It you know? definitely is not. But but that's I, maybe that's the problem. Why is it not? Right? Why are not more of us into this? Right. Uh, number three, explore your needs. 
Likely, you don't have much experience or knowledge of your needs, especially if you ignore them to cater to others' demands. Now is the time to start learning more about yourself. Keep a daily journal in which you record your thoughts, feelings, needs, and desires. Practicing self-reflection and introspection will help you to become more in tune with what you really need at any given moment. Practicing mindfulness exercises is another powerful way to know what boundaries you need to set during the day. Dedicate a self-discovery practice each day and aim to learn more about who you are and what you really want out of life. This is one of the best ways to begin setting personal boundaries. A fun way to start learning about who you are is by taking self-discovery tests. Yeah, I think those practices are good. I have, since we did our journaling episode way back when Jenny was talking about the idea that you don't have to journal these like poetic feeling filled, uh, you know, journal posts or whatever, <laughs> journal logs, and you can just literally put like whatever you're doing right at that moment. I haven't been perfect with it. I think I started off like pretty thunderous hitting yeah. it every day or every other day. Now it's been like once a week, but I, it's pretty regular. Like I will write in there once a week and just talk about what's going on, how I'm feeling, what's been on my mind. Uh, yeah, I think that is a great way to start learning more about yourself, right? Hmm. Because it's easier to own to a journal that's private. Like, man, I really feel like I'm working too much or I really feel like, you know, my partner is asking for too much out of me after work or like you can start to kind of find that damn this feels like too much yeah and it's interesting since covid a lot of those ideas and concepts you're seeing more about them in like news and and media the idea that you know your whole life shouldn't be dedicated to work and the one i heard this morning was about you know people that are like the road warriors that travel for work all the time and some things that they can do to set boundaries with their employers Mm. and those are concepts that i think even five years ago, like they would be like frowned upon, like everything was, you need to do everything you can to be better than the other people and to succeed and be the winner. You know, you're the guy that's going to do more than anybody else and put in those extra hours. And we're starting to realize like, that's not really healthy. Well, and even the term that's been given, I don't know if you've heard this one, the quiet quitting. So I kept seeing that on my news. I was yeah. like, what is quiet quitting? Is it just not going back to your job? So I read an article about it, and it's apparently, you know, for people who do a good job and, and are above and beyond, they get frustrated because it doesn't pay off, and so they go back to just doing the job requirements. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why would we label that quiet quitting? That sounds like what we should have been doing all the fuck along. <laughs> right. Like, quiet quitting sounds like a right. negative connotation, and, like, that's no, you're supposed to just be doing the job. Fuck the extras. Yeah, right. So that's, I don't right. know. It's weird that we look at it that way. But yeah, no, that's healthy. Like that's, that's healthy boundaries, you mm-hmm. know, having a boundary, going to your employer and saying, hey, this is a little more than I can take on right now. But it's like, that's been frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, starting to see this shift in different generations, like my children's generation and the people just a little older than them in the workforce, it feels like. They're not as willing to just work their fucking life away. And I'm like, good for them. Good. Maybe we'll change yeah. the whole fucking system. Oh, yeah, I feel I don't So my daughter's 20 and her boyfriend's 19 and they both just finished school. And so her, we've kind of told her, hey, look, just stay at home. Check some things out. You really like animals and doing that stuff. See if you can get a job doing some of that. You know, we need your help with some other things around the house. Like, don't. Don't worry about running out and starting some career and doing all that other stuff. Like, it's okay to take a little bit. Her boyfriend, on the other hand, his parents have pushed him. Now he's at a local, you know, place working a shift job and, and 
like it's nothing in alignment with who he wants to be or what he wants to do. You know, right. but that's what you get pushed to do, and that's what his family's yeah. telling him to do, and it's sad. <laughs> yeah, I I hear people lament that this next generation doesn't want to work and doesn't want to do this and doesn't want to do that, and they got to wait an extra five minutes in the McDonald's drive-through and all that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm fucking all for it. I support it. <laughs> right. I hope we can figure out that work right. is not life. Fuck that's what that we shit. keep telling my daughter. I'm like, whatever you decide to do. I mean, this may be a choice you make for the next. You know, you got to work probably for the next you know 20 30 years of your life 40 yeah so find something you like to do find something you want to do and then try to make money at that you know go that route versus just trying to make money exactly uh number four practice daily self-care because you're worth it practicing daily self-care is supplementary it's a supplementary practice that will bolster your ability to set clear personal boundaries when you get into the habit of nurturing yourself you are already setting yourself up for success you're sending yourself the message that i'm worth taking care of setting firm boundaries will then seem like the next natural step in your self-care routine simple ways to perform self-care include taking time to relax practicing meditation making delicious and nutritious food for yourself, exercising, setting daily goals, complimenting yourself, rewarding yourself, taking a nap, connecting with nature, drinking a soothing cup of tea, and many other practices. Yeah, I I would agree with this. I, I think there's so much to it, right? When we can have a relationship with ourselves, when we can treat ourselves well, why would you ever accept less than that from a friend or a partner? It kind of sets up the basis for like, I don't need to accept that. I don't do that to myself. Right. I don't do that to other people. Right. Whereas if you've never had the treatment from anywhere and you don't give it to yourself, you're just going to think this is normal. This is what everybody has. Yeah. And giving yourself that message like I matter too. You know what I mean? Like my needs, my wants, things I like, like they matter too, you know, in my family, especially like I think in my household, a lot of times it's like, well, what does the wife need? What do the kids need? What does the dog need? What does the house need? You know, what does my job need? Right. And like, I, it's like I put myself at the end of that list sometimes or, or in the past and then there's no time left for my needs. Right. That old idea of like, put your own oxygen mask on first yeah. because then everybody else will benefit from that too. Yeah. I, I think we have to find a way to take care of ourselves the right way in order to set the precedent for what we're unwilling to accept from others. Number five, learn to say no. Saying no is a key part of learning to be assertive and honoring your needs. You don't need to flat out or aggressively say no if the situation doesn't call for it. Instead, you can try saying phrases such as, no, thank you. I can't. I'm not able to. Not now. I'm busy. Sorry. Maybe next time and so forth. I even tell people in therapy, honestly, this is not when you're trying to create personal boundaries. It's not the time to worry about if you're being honest, like in the beginning. Fuck it. Lie. Do whatever you got to do to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Right. And over time, you'll start to learn like, oh, hey. I lied. I got out of going to that thing and helping that guy move. I got to like spend my Sunday how I wanted to. I relaxed. It felt really good for me. At some point, you'll say that is worth claiming. And I can be honest about it. But when you don't feel like you can, like, fuck it. Lie. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do. And I've actually taken a little slightly different approach, but similar in feeling like I don't always need to give an explanation. I'm sorry I can't make it. 
knows a complete sentence. And that's that's it, you know, and, and being done with it. Because mm-hmm. because I go down the same road. It's like, well, do I want to tell them a big story and that maybe they won't think it's worth it, but it's important to me. Right. You know, and instead of putting all those judgments on all those things, it doesn't, you know, it's just no. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, I was told very own by my, uh, my first therapist. She said, knows a complete sentence. Hmm. She said, when you try to explain why, you open yourself up for room for the other person to argue about it. Right. You know, a chance to say, oh, well, we can get around that problem you're having of not showing up by doing this. Like they can offer solutions and you're not looking for solutions. So don't even open the door to it. Yeah. Just no, I can't make it. Sorry. And it's easier that way. So I, I love that idea, too. Uh, six, identify when people cross the line. It's not always easy to identify when others overstep your boundaries, particularly if you're used to not having any. Take time to record in a private journal each day all the moments when you felt uncomfortable, upset, or disrespected by someone during the day. This journaling exercise will help you to develop more self-awareness. Another way to know when people have overstepped your boundaries is by tuning into your body. Try to notice when you feel sensations like butterflies in your stomach, tension, or an increase in blood pressure, which will manifest as feeling flustered and hot. Use these sensations as triggers to help you tune into the present moment and practice assertiveness. I would say this falls definitely into that episode we did about polyvagal theory, too. Just yeah. this idea of like listening to that chest, stomach, throat, head area. That's where most of the feelings are happening. You might have a, a lump in your throat. You might have a tightness or an expansiveness in your chest or, or like a feeling of a weight on it. Um, all good things to pay attention to, for sure. Yeah, and there is... A little bit of complication there, I'm going to say, for someone like myself. So Jen and I were recently had a pretty deep conversation about this. Like I grew up, well, now as an adult, I have a lot of anxiety stuff, weird anxiety. And I believe what that's come from is growing up in a household where I felt scared all the time. Most yeah. of the time growing up in my household, I was scared, like walking on pins and needles. So now I can still feel that way in social situations that are fucking completely normal i'm still flustered and hot and all those things right and like with her and i talking about it like one of the things that's important for us to recognize as a couple is that a lot of times in a situation where her like normal temperament is like a four or five i'm already at like a seven you know what i mean so when something little comes up like a car cuts us off in traffic or whatever, I'm immediately at fucking 10 and she's only at like a six, Right. you know? So my reaction is very different. Um, so getting to know yourself a little bit, you know, is very helpful in that too. Like realizing, you know, I'm already anxious around lots of people and stuff all the time. Right. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean my boundaries are being crossed or maybe they are. And I need to pay attention to that too. Right, but tuning in just to know the difference. No, right. that's important. Uh, number seven, stop overcommitting. You are not ob- obliged or indebted to uphold every single social commitment that you have. Don't try to please others at your own expense. Committing too much to other people and circumstances creates stress and burnout. Learn to say no to non-essential things like work get-togethers, parties, and other social duties that are not life or death. Yeah, I think that's the thing. There was definitely a time early on, even in the 12 step social environment, it was like, oh, I got to be at all these people's anniversaries just because they're happening. And, oh, everybody's going to be at this person's anniversary. I can't miss it. That fear of missing out on things. And I didn't need to be at all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten a better balance with that because the other thing happened to me is where I 
sort of disconnected and blew off all that. Mm -hmm. And then I lost a connection to my 12 step friends and community. I mean, what happened is I was close to a couple of people and then a couple of those people, one guy moved, one guy got divorced and moved and started using again. And then another guy moved and it's like all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, I don't have really all my close friends now are gone right? and I didn't have another network of people. So I do try to balance some of that stuff in there because some of it I want to do, but just not automatically committing to everything. Right. You know? Right. And and then that's exactly what I was doing. It was just, you know, everybody's going to be there or yeah, it's the social thing. Were they at mine or, you know, whatever it was, it was like trying to show up at all these things just for the purpose of showing up and being seen and not right. really because I wanted to or needed anything from it or. Yeah. And then sometimes giving myself the freedom to skip things that I might want to do and just saying, Hey, I just, taking some you know the yeah. downtime. <laughs> no absolutely that life can get filled up with too many things quick i mean there's there's people who want to hang out now and it's not that i don't want to hang out with them but after i've done soccer in the morning in the afternoon on saturday and i know we're recording this sunday and i probably have a therapy appointment <laughs> sunday and there's football like sometimes i just want to chill at home saturday night in fact a lot of times and it's i'm it's okay to want to do that right right it's there's nothing wrong with that i will catch up to people when i catch up to them uh, number eight, be courageous. Let go of toxic friendships and relationships. It takes a certain level of courage to make a commitment to keeping personal boundaries. Fake friends and flimsy relationships will event inevitably self-destruct and fizzle away. This might leave you feeling guilty, ashamed, or like you're doing something wrong. It is important in these tough times to keep affirming that setting personal boundaries is your fundamental human right. You are worth it. Those who are trying to control, use, or abuse you will try to stop you, but don't let them hold you back. Cut away those who are polluting your life and seek out new friendships that are supporting and uplifting. That's a tricky one. Yeah, uh, it's very tricky. Well, I feel like a lot of times any literature that is pro standing up for yourself or setting boundaries or this, that, and the other, it seems to frame these other people as like these easy to find toxic evil terrible people and it's like that's right. not really the case like these people are just trying to live life and find love in a way that is also unhealthy but it, that doesn't make them like you guys are part of a toxic relationship because you're both toxic yeah, no or everybody's got some level of toxicity right you know right. i hate the toxic word that's right. right up there with dirty or whatever but it's yeah there's some level of unhealthiness and and misaligned attachment going on there that's created by both people you were both drawn to that, right? You're not sticking together because you, you know, one of you is super healthy and the other one just clinging. Like that's yeah. not how well, it works. Well, again, in a twelve step fellowship, I think we're encouraged sometimes to maintain those relationships, and I don't know that that's bad. I'm not saying you know we shouldn't, because you know, as we talked about, I have this friend that's going through this thing, and I'm still going to support him if he calls me fucking tomorrow and says, "Hey, can we get out to a meeting?" I mean, I can't go tomorrow, but. And there's a the thing. So my son has a baseball game. That's important to me to go to. So if he called and said, hey, do you want to go to a meeting? I would say, I can't go to tomorrow. Might be able to go Tuesday or my home group's Wednesday. Right. But, I mean, he's a toxic person. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know another way to say I like the guy. He's a friend of mine. I care about him. I want to help him, you know, but I got to have my boundaries. Like, right. I have my boundaries with him, but I'm not willing to cut him out of my life you know he needs some help he needs support 
I don't. Well, and and where you have them at at that distance seems kind of like a healthy boundary, right? Because yeah. I feel like the unhealthy version is like, oh, I'd miss my kid's game for this guy who keeps drinking, right? And and I'm not saying that's wrong either, right? right. Maybe he does need you that night. I have no idea, but yeah. if I consistently see somebody. I hate to even use these words, but that doesn't feel like they're at the place where they're able to show up for themselves yet. I'm really feel like I'm wasting my time sometimes showing up for them. Yeah. Not always. Right. I think there is a level of like when I can, I still would like to show up. It's not really wasting my time, but yeah, I don't want to, you know, miss all my kids games for an entire season because I'm trying to get this new guy helped. And it's like, well, yeah. Okay, and I, I have kids? in the past. So I, and now thinking about that, I have had people, friends or sponsors sponsor sponsees whatever that get angry or upset when you can't do things with them Ooh. or don't have the availability and those people i usually am like oh yeah that's not me like that's not the relationship we're gonna have if that's what you need you probably need to find someone else <laughs> you know and maybe that's what they're talking about here like cutting those kind of people out of your life like I'm not playing into that. You're mad at me. So now the next time I'm going to show up and drop everything I'm doing, you know, but it's taken a while to get there too. You got to some learn boundaries. what's okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> at least around the program, you got some boundaries. Yeah. Uh, number nine, last one, seek help, but not from friends or family. If you're still needing help, setting strong personal boundaries, chances are that chances are that those around you probably reinforce this behavior. So it's not a wise idea to seek advice from them. However, well-intentioned they may be. If you need a more in-depth advice and personal assistance, I recommend either reading a book such as Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. I am not personally recommending that book. I've never read it. Yeah. Uh, or seek the help of a therapist or both. And I do recommend that, of course. <laughs> this is about being gentle and compassionate. I feel like the first thing that happens is the backlash when I'm trying to help somebody set boundaries that they find themselves incapable of doing it in the moment. And then they beat themselves up over that. And I'm mm. like, that was the exact opposite of what we were hoping <laughs> right. for here. Like, fuck it. If you can't, you can't. It's right. okay. Right. Well, we'll get there. We're working towards it. What can we learn from this fact that you couldn't, right? Yeah. Was it that you tried to set it in the grocery store and you really need to be setting that, having that conversation at home? Was it the environment? Was it the person? Like, there's a lot to be learned from these situations, and that's what I think is our goal. Yeah, and start with small things, you know, little things that you can do, you know. What, what little things can you do? Maybe you can say, all right, I'm just going to take 10 minutes for myself out of each day to, like, have a cup of coffee and sit on the back porch and enjoy the moment. Well, start there, you know what I mean? Start with something small and work your way up to some of this bigger stuff. And and be prepared for conflicting things you want, right? You're going to have different pieces of you that want different things. And a lot of times it is going to be, like you said, sacrificing something you want to do at times for something else that you need, right? Yeah. I need this time to rest my body. It's not that I don't want to go out. I just need the time to rest. And it's it gets tricky, man, because it's hard for us, I think, for people like us, maybe for everybody, to not do the thing we want. And so when we have conflicting wants, that gets really fucking tricky for us. I yeah. get baffled. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I want both <laughs> right. of these things. I want right. to be honest to my partner and sleep with other women. What the <laughs> right. fuck? How do I get through this? Yeah. And I, you know, that's one of those things. You will have to probably give up one or the other or, or find a new way to make that work. Yeah, or negotiate, you know, some negotiations there. I mean, maybe that's counter to what they mean here. Set your boundaries and hold to them strong. But it's like... You know, just like today, like this podcast is important to me. We show up. This is a commitment. I feel like it's high up on my values list. It's right. 
not as high up on my wife's values list. <laughs> and she sometimes gets mad because of the priority that this has for me on my Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And that can cause conflict. And so usually I'll get into like a little bit of a negotiation with her or like with you and we'll see if we can make something work. And we usually can. Yeah. It's usually not a big deal, but it's like I still let her know like, I'm not just blowing this off because you have something else you might <laughs> want to do. Like, this is important to me right. and this is what I'm doing, you know, and I'm sorry if you're mad, you know? Yeah, no. And I, and I, but see, okay. And, and this is where it gets tricky for partners of people trying to set boundaries. Right. Because like, I could see where a partner would be like, what the fuck you go out and spend five hours playing golf or you go out <laughs> and spend five hours talking to your buddy, recording this podcast. Like, Yes, that's exactly what the fuck Billy and I need. Like we <laughs> right. need time to talk to our adult buddies. Yeah. And we don't get that. And and whether this podcast was ever successful, I think that was our great excuse for having a reason to fucking get together yeah. and talk more. And we need that. Yeah. It is And important. then you learn usually in your relationship what your partner's asking for is not specifically for you to blow off the podcast. She's specifically asking for more time and attention. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. When you're Thanks. paying attention. But, yeah. So we've gone a little long. Personal boundaries, hugely important. I, I can't express enough, um, for me at least, the change it's made in my life to be able to, like myself, feel able to set some more personal boundaries and, and slowly move further and further into this place of, like, my life looks a lot like what I want it to. There's not a lot of changes I really feel like have to be made. And it's a the whole idea of balance being that move and target, of course, it's always going to be a move and target, right? I'm never going to hit this end goal of like, this is perfect. But, yeah. it, you know, I get closer and closer and closer and life is pretty good and it feels good that way when you're not constantly dreading all this shit you said you'd do that you don't want. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even for me, my, like my boundaries have changed over time. Like now my kids are a little older. They're a little more independent. I have a little more free time. So I am willing to give a little more, you know, to like fellowship stuff or right. recovery people if they call and need a ride or want to go to a meeting or whatever. But at times when my kids were younger and the demands on my life were higher, I wasn't as willing to do those things. Right. And, and I think that's a, another thing to consider when we're talking about that is like your life is going to change. So the, the moving target will always be Yeah, moving. your boundaries can shift and change that suits your situation. Yeah. So go out there and create a personal boundary for yourself that no one will interrupt your recovery sort of podcast listening because that's <laughs> highly important. And then after that, create the boundaries you need in your life and uh, we will see you soon. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.